live recording now. So this is Dean with the Two Party Podcast, and I'm here with Delisa Hawking, and I, I said it right, so I didn't slay it that time. Um, and so we're here today to talk about who she is, um, her talents, her gifts, um, her career, and a little bit about where she comes from, um, just to kind of give the audience and, and give me, the, the host, uh, just a little insight. So Delisa, I'm going to hand it over to you. Kind of tell us about yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me on your show, Dean. For so sure. I did not think I would be a psychic medium. It's not what I set out to do as a profession. I just happened to be a fifth generation psychic medium. My grandmother and her grandmother had this ability. It's on my dad's side of the family. Um, but I was minding my own business, really. Uh, I owned several companies. I was an executive in the hospitality industry in Las Vegas, just kind of going about life. And it was through an interesting uh, twist of events as I was on a trip to New York when everything changed and I realized that I was able to communicate with the other side. And since then, over the last several years, it has taken me on a wild ride and an adventure through being a seer of the other side and, and seeing energy and experiencing messages for other people and then bringing that forward to my audience. So it's a, never a dull moment in my world, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I would think so. Um, and, and so when you say this, you know, um, just a little background, like my mom for, for years, we grew up and now to this day, we still think my mom's crazy. Okay. I mean, you, you probably hear this all the time, you know, but we, we've always thought like, is my mom crazy? Is, is do, Am I the kid that got gifted with the, the crazy mom? But my mom used to used to swear up and down, and she still does, and she still follows through spiritually. This is what she's into. This is what she believes, and and it truly is it is who she is. And there's been times I can admit there's been times where I've witnessed things with her, and I'm like, there's no explaining that. You can't explain that. And so you know, to this day, like my mom would do things like make a cloud melt, and you're like, mom, the cloud's gonna dissipate anyhow. And you're like, she's like, no, watch, like pick a cloud on a, on a perfectly still day, and and like next thing you know, it will just go, be gone. And, and so we were always like, yeah, that's just science. The clouds just, dis you know, we try to dismiss it. And, but she could do it on, like, on call. You could just point at anything in the air and she'd just make the thing dissipate. And you're like, nah, that, yeah, maybe it's just a cloud. But was she really doing it? And we'd always have that little thing. But she also, and, and I've kind of had it, and, and I don't, I've never really kind of pinned down what I feel it is. But I've always had kind of an intuition about good and bad and people. Like I, I can judge people's character really well just by being near them or around them. I can, I can almost stand in the middle of a Walmart and point out the guy that's an idiot or the criminal or the, you know, and my wife always kind of laughs at me because she's like, she's like, you're just judging. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I get a vibe. And usually 99.9% .9 I'm always right. Um, but my mom has always had these psychic, she has dreams, she has visions. Um, throughout our life, a lot of them have come true. She's, she's literally, my sister's had three kids and she's literally told her what every single kid, when she found out she was pregnant from the pregnancy test, she told her every single kid what she would have as a gender. And she had them. And we were like, mom. <laughs> yeah, we were like, we're like, okay, well maybe that's just a fluke thing. 50, 50 roll, you know, flip the coin, but she did it. And we were, and my sister to this day is like, whatever. And we're like, no, she guessed that you got to give her credit for that. But so I'm sure you hear this stuff all the time. I mean, there's always doubt. What does it look like? Um, what does it look like for you? I mean, when did, obviously, when did you first come about this and when did you recognize it? And then what does it look like for you to, to try to explain to the audience or other people? Like, what does it look like for you to be, to, to be able to see things and feel things like you do? 
Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying about being an empath and being in a room and being able to pick out yes. who's who and, and what oh, they feel I, like. I read energy really well for some reason. Yeah, and that's actually actually a psychic ability so congratulations uh it's who a knew? gift and, it, yeah, and it's, who knew? <laughs> it's helping you to navigate your way through life and, and so embrace that it has um, kept me out of yes. trouble a lot exactly I, exactly i, I, I have so, found people that i've steered away from and it's helped me absolutely and so um i've also been that same way my entire life i didn't recognize it necessarily as a gift um and i would sit in my grandmother's living room and she would tell me you know what es SP, extrasensory perception, what information was coming through. And I would sit there as a little girl and, and hear her stories. And she would tell me what ghost literally passed through her living room the night before. My mom so does that. Yeah. And so I was always very intrigued by it. Um, and it wasn't until I was on that trip in New York and I was staying at a friend of mine's house the last night of my trip. And I had just attended a three-day workshop on synchronicity. And it was a, a workshop about how nothing's an accident, how everything is meant for you for some reason, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of that trip, I was at his house. He gets an unexpected phone call that his aunt had passed away. She had fallen down a flight of stairs. Um, of course, I give my friend condolences. I go off to the guest bedroom. I really don't think much more of it. I don't know this woman, never met her, didn't know right. anything about her. And I go to sleep and that night she came through and she said, please tell my nephew that I'm okay and I made it to the other side. And so the next morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, what <laughs> in the hell? So I go out in the kitchen and thankfully my friend's pretty open-minded and I said, hey, listen, this is what happened. This is the message that came forward. And he turned to me in a very straight face like he does and he says, really, what did she look like? And I actually described her. I described her hair, her features. And, and you had never said, met her. Never met her. Didn't right. know this woman from anybody. Right. And, and so I knew because he said, oh, yeah, that's exactly what she looks like. I knew I was onto something. And it took me, I flashed back to being that little girl in my grandmother's living room all of those times. Or sitting out on her porch in Idaho and looking up in the sky as she would talk about UFOs. Right? So I like took myself back into that moment. And I thought, oh, wow. This wasn't just about my grandmother and the story she would tell me about her grandmother. This is now happening to me. Right. And so I flew back home. I was living in Texas at the time. I'm in Las Vegas now. But I, I went back home and I thought, if that happened one time, I bet you it'll happen another time. And so I started channeling. And so I would get a piece of paper. I'd ask permission from somebody. I'd write their, their first name at the top of the piece of paper. I'd go into meditation and I'd start channeling and writing all kinds of things. So I see things that look like imagery and symbols. I hear words and phrases that come in generally through the right ear. I get physical confirmations in my body and I would just write down everything. I was using mm -hmm. myself as the conduit, the vehicle. And then I'd get on the phone with the person and say, hey, so don't tell me anything that's happening in your life right now, but let me tell you everything that came forward. Right. And you can just tell me if I'm onto something. I started testing it that way and people were blown away. 
And so then I just started doing more and more of it. And I started off only doing sessions over the phone. I didn't need to see anybody or, or anything like that. And to this day, I don't need to be in the same room. I don't need to see you. Right. You can literally send me a question over email and I can give you the answer that you're looking for. Right. Um, but like I said, it wasn't in my plans. Yeah. <laughs> this was not what I thought I would do. It's like, I don't know if that was my predetermined career path or yeah. Yeah, I think this was part of destiny. I think part of your life is free will. I think some of it's yes. destiny. I think before you're born, there are probably a handful or so of things that that is set and right. that is what you agreed to do in this lifetime and you agreed to play different roles for different people. And, you know, uh, the rest of it is kind of that path, that winding yeah. road of, of how you're going to get there. A little bit of choose your own adventure. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, you could almost liken it for, for a, 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 I guess, a less of a better analogy. You could almost liken it to the fact that you get genetics and, and through your DNA for like, a prime examples, like my father was one of the hardest working people I ever met. I mean, he was, he was long story, he was a crazy man and, and, a, and a homicidal maniac. But at the end of the day, he uh, it was the hardest working man. And every one of my brothers and sisters are physically the same work ethic. Um, I, I don't know how to be lazy. I, I try to, and it's just not in me. And so, like you said, I mean, those are just kind of things like it is kind of almost predestined. It's almost like not just genetically, but even your personality and characteristics and, and the way you absorb energy in, in the world that, you, that you're around, I guess, is kind of something I've always seen as like, that's it. That is, it's just something you have. And each individual coming from whether it's each family line or whatever it may be, it tends to pick up energy that way. Like you said, it, it's kind of passed through your family generationally. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, um, so I can, I can understand that. I mean, as, as much as like work is one of the physical strength and everything in our family is kind of a big thing. It, it's, um, you know, like my mom and her side of the family is, is a lot of, um, even on my, gra- my great grandmother and stuff like that's, she's just like my mom. Like they, they were, they were so close because they both bonded that way. And, and we always were like, well, maybe that's where mom got all this, you know, from is from her, but she was the same way. And the stories were still there when she, you know, everything we heard from my great uncles and stuff like that were like, yeah, that's who she was. That's what she did. Just like your mom, you know? And it was like, like you said, it's, it's almost a predestined thing that my mom was going to be what we, we consider the crazy weird lady of the family, you know, but she, she literally, you know, she's done, she has done some amazing things and she's done, she tried to do readings for a while. And I, I just don't think, I think it's, I guess it's finding your path because I think for a while there, she tried to do that and it just wasn't, uh, not so much, I guess that she wasn't really doing good on the readings as much as I don't think that's where her gift was. Um, she, she now, the newest thing is, and I try to keep up, we don't, we don't communicate as much as we used to. Um, she's out in California and I'm here. Uh, we touch base, we, we, we get on the phone when we can, but she's busy traveling and doing stuff and I'm busy doing stuff. She's in a new relationship and stuff. So she's kind of enjoying that. Um, plus we're, you know, I'm old and she's like, you're out of the house, go away. So we kind of like, we communicate and I love her and she loves me, but we don't really keep up real well. But I know that the latest thing she's been telling me about is, um, where I guess she gets into a deep state of meditation and she travels. And I don't, I, I've always thought of that like astral projection type of thing, but she, she call, I forget what she calls it. It's very similar, but she calls it something else where she actually will travel. And she's like, I can travel to different areas, different universe, like different planets type thing. And I went and then I'm, of course, I'm, I'm going back to the whole, whoa, 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 whoa. And, but, but she does. And then she'll call me sometimes and she's like, well, while I was traveling, I saw this, or I visited you last night. Did you feel it? And it's, it's really, you know, for it, it's interesting. And at the same time, the skeptic in me, as well as like being her son, like I got, I, I believe, and I, I love and support her energy and what she believes. And at the same time, the skeptic in me is like, 
wait a minute, you came and visited me. It's kind of creepy, <laughs> but okay, what happened? So, you know, is that, I mean, is that stuff you deal with or see, or do you know people that have that, that gift that, to be able to do that? I mean, I, do you travel like, like what she's saying, or is it something more where you're, when you're, you're talking about seeing people or the other side, like yours is a little different. Yeah, no, I can definitely go and travel and there's even a term called remote viewing. Maybe that's what it you, is. And you can project yourself basically or, or take your energy into a specific location, whether it's somewhere on earth, somewhere on a different planet or the moon and, and see what is there at that specific location or coordinates. And there's okay. been, you know, talk about government programs that have had remote viewing and people that studied mm -hmm. that and, and they would use it, um, for, for different tactics uh, between countries and things like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. I also get premonitions. And so because we're uh, right around Halloween season. Uh, my um, favorite, my favorite. I know, right? And so I, I find that there's a natural interest in, this, in the supernatural this right. time of year. And one year ago on Halloween, I was in Las Vegas and uh, my mom, which we were talking about moms, yeah. like she never asks me to go to the grocery store ever. But that morning she said, hey, do you, do you wanna go? I need to run some errands. I said, all right, fine, sure. So we go to the grocery <laughs> store. I don't think anything of it. And we walk into the grocery store and everything's fine for the first few minutes. And then we start to walk down the different aisles and I start to get this really horrifying feeling that something's about to go really wrong. And to the point where I'm now standing in the grocery store, looking around at everybody, wondering what's about to happen. I know when there's a premonition that, that's coming in that's really strong that I know not to ignore it. And then I start to hear, um, look at that emergency exit back there. There's going to be people running out of it. You're going to have to help them. And I don't say anything to my mom just yet. Right. So we're going through and I finally become so debilitating that I said, listen, I need to tell you this because we're, we may need to run out of the store. And she freaks out and she's like, do we need to just leave the cart here? I have one right. more thing I have to go. Let's just yeah. pick it up real quick. So we go, we get the last item, we're standing in that aisle and I can hear two men yelling. And I said to my mom, do you hear that? And she goes, Delisa, I don't hear anything. I'm like, okay, this is getting really <laughs> strange. And so we hurry up, we get out of there. And um, what I then found out the next day was at the store down the street at that same time, I was getting a premonition a couple of minutes before it had happened um that there were two men fighting and one had a gun and mm -hmm. went into the store and i have chills as i tell the story right and people start running and a lot of them escaped out of the back oh, exit door. door of the store and it was right down the street wow. so i was getting all of it as it was getting ready to yep. unfold um but that was one of the most um terrifying premonitions that right. i had um and that's that just would be part scary. of my world. <laughs> yeah, and, and that would be scary. Uh, I think that would, it almost like that would be my fear of if I had the power uh, like that, that would be my biggest fear is that I'm going to vision something really hectic or crazy that I'm going to be stuck in the middle of. That would, yeah, it, but 
Or you can see it as, wow, if this does happen, they've just told me which door to run out of. So it's, it's almost right. like a, a, yeah, almost like a self-defense at the same time. But, but then it's also like, I, I look at it like, I, sometimes you almost don't want to know. I mean, do you ever feel that way? Like, sometimes I don't want to know this. Or like, maybe you get a reading on somebody or something. You just like, I don't want to have to tell them this. Yeah, I mean, there are some I mean, you know you things... have to, but you don't yeah. want to. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean, I think my relationship with the universe, my spirit mm -hmm. team, whatever you want to refer to it as, I think they do a really amazing job of helping me out and helping other people out. And so I know that if they're going to bring something forward that that they're going to pass through me, there's a reason they're bringing it forward. Right. Um, I, my readings are actually, they're truthful, but they're also, okay, then what do you do with that information? They're, yeah. they're somewhat inspiring, motivational, because most of the time, if you're going to contact me or somebody that works for my company, because I have a whole team of psychics and mediums, yeah. if, you, if you're contacting one of us, it's probably because you already know the answer. You just need somebody else who doesn't know you and your life to validate to it for you. Validate it, right? That yeah, but sense. most ninety nine percent of the time, people are not shocked or surprised. They're they're delighted that we saw it and that we could yeah. tell them and we validate it. But um, usually, there's not any big shocks. Do you guys deal with a lot of high end clients? I mean, you don't have to name names or nothing, but do you guys deal with a lot of high end clients that just really are just, they just want to know something about their lives or what's going on? I'm sure you do. We, I mean, being in Las Vegas, we definitely have our share of uh, celebrities mm -hmm. and, and even local celebrities yeah. um, because we have so many people that pass through here and live here. Yeah, um, yeah we do. Uh, and I think that we've built a really great reputation of, of confidentiality. So they do trust yeah. us. Um, because not all psychics, unfortunately, are created the same. Right. And you have some that really do use and abuse people. And I was going to say they kind of bring a bad yeah. name to the whole industry for you guys. They do. And you would be amazed at the licensing regulations in Las Vegas you have to go through to be a legitimate psychic. Right. Um, yeah, because it's still do they, kind of like... Do, now, do they have a board certified psychic that has to determine whether you're a psychic? <laughs> you would think. They should have that, they have right? They to go through. Maybe, yeah, you, should, maybe you should implement you being that position. Like, okay, you're going to not do it. You are right. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that would be great. Like a well, little bit of a psychic I idol. A, I honestly think that's kind of a good thing though, too. I mean, that you've got to weed out, just like any industry or any business, you've got to weed out who's going to be uh, the fraudulent person or who's taking advantage of consumers. Absolutely. So if you're looking for a psychic or a medium, one thing I would ask them is show me your business license. <laughs> right. Because if they haven't done that, they probably are doing other things that aren't on the up and up. Yeah. Um, and so that would be one thing. And also, you know, you have a really good psychic or medium if they can do it over the phone. If they don't right. have to see you and they're good, then yeah. you know you're on to something. But if somebody's like, I have to sit in the same room with you and it's a little bit vague, you yeah. probably don't have somebody that, that is either on their A game that day or they're right. just they're maybe not at the level of some of the other people yeah and have you ever done um and again i know i know confidentiality it's just like just like anything and i respect that um have you ever done anything with say law enforcement or any cases i have so i've worked with a private detective uh outside of uh or in uh, tennessee and i reviewed several of her cases and gave her insights um and I really like working with families and individuals that are looking for clarity on cold cases right, or looking right. for 
uh, confirmation on mysterious deaths. Uh, mm -hmm. I do get contacted by people that want to know, was it suicide? Was there foul play? Was it an accident? Um, so I do work a lot on that. I've had um, somebody that had a missing person's not too, too long ago. And um, I actually tuned in with another psychic medium and the two of us sat down in the same room and just tuned into the energy and independently wrote our own notes. Right. And then we, we compared those and we actually wrote down much of the same the information. Same, uh, wow. So then we brought the client in and said, all right, here's what we actually both got. And he, and he said, yes, that's what I had actually assumed happened to this individual. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I actually love um, the crime angle, not from like a morbid perspective, but just right. to try and help people with healing and closure. Um, so it's something I'm naturally drawn to. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, just a little history on me. I, you know, I've, like I said earlier, my father was, uh, you know, he came out of the military, he got out of the military, went over to Vietnam, he was Navy SEAL, um, trained for combat, but he wasn't, he was never put on, he was never trained as like for the submarine duty to go in a submarine to go across the seas for 30 days in a submarine underwater. And so he, he, he lost it one time and that's what got him a dishonorable discharge. He, he literally, um, he got in an argument with the captain of the ship. Uh, the captain of the ship locked him in his bunk. And when his bunk mate got off duty, he killed him in order to make them turn the submarine around because he knew if he killed him, he'd, they'd have to force the submarine to go back. And they did. My dad ended up serving three years uh, for that homicide in a military prison, uh, gave, given a dishonorable discharge, which he later got changed because of the fact he was never trained for underwater or submarine duty. Um, and he shouldn't have been there, but they put him there. But that was later on. Um, but that didn't, you know, that didn't stop. My dad, uh, uh, you know, he, he went through an abusive childhood, but he, he, um, he was just a kind of a gruff kind of, I guess you could say in a nutshell, an evil guy. He was a bad guy and, and it was in his nature. It was in his character. While he had good moments, he was a very bad man. Um, and he, he, the one thing about my father and he was very open about it is uh, he did not have a, a respect for life. Uh, if, it, if, if it was a matter of, you know, I love my kids and stuff and I love my family and I protect them uh, versus uh, there's a reason I have to kill someone or one of them. My dad was the guy that would do it. And, and he did, there was no, it was, it wasn't like a light switch. It was literally, that was just the personality he was. So a little, a little short background is, is after he had, he had served time on that one, he was released. He used his, his, uh, his connections from the military uh, to deal drugs. And so he had a lot of, back then with Vietnam and stuff, they had a lot of heroin coming into the country and it was all coming from military planes and stuff. And so he had connections getting that. So he, he started getting into that life. And he dealt for many years. And uh, then he started uh, working as a hired, basically hired collections. So he would, if somebody owed one of the mafia or one of the, the drug runners money, he was the collector. He was the guy that went and broke your legs. He was the guy that went and put you in a ditch. And he did that for many years. And um, fast forwarding, uh, when we were born and my mom was watching us, um, it was me, my, my stepbrother and sister, my, my sister, me. Uh, my mom had adopted a girl because she loved children. We lived in Riverview, Florida. Um, my, my earliest memories uh, with my father on this ranch in Riverview, Florida was literally taking my mom's station wagon and taking body parts out, putting them in trash cans and dumping them in the lake on the back of the property. These were my earliest memories. This is things I've been through counseling for my entire life. 
Um, but these were my earliest memories with my, my, my dad and my mom before they had divorced and separated. Um, their divorce had, had come about due to, um, he, he literally placed dynamite under our house to kill us because my mom threatened to divorce him. Um, so there was, there was a, a, lot of, a lot of really crazy stuff that went on. And I was at this time, I mean, I was five years old. These were my earliest childhood memories. And um, so around that time, previous to them actually filing and getting the divorce set up and this all occurring, my, my mother at one point um, mentioned but never really told us why my dad was, was missing at one point. And he served another three years for a, um, he was doing a drug deal in exchange for explosives for drugs with a cartel member. He had no intentions of paying the guy or trading the guy, but he didn't know that the FBI was watching the cartel member at that time. So when they went to make the deal, my dad blew the guy's head off right there. The FBI caught it all on film. They were watching the whole thing. So he ended up, uh, my dad was very smart, went and got his bar exam. My dad was a very, very intelligent man. So he went and represented himself, got himself a three-year, another three-year sentence for, for homicide. Uh, the FBI knew who he was. The local police in Tampa, Florida knew who he was. They left it all alone, but they knew at the same time they were telling my mom, you need to get away from this man. This is a very dangerous man. You don't understand who this man really is. And at the same time, we find out my mom found out later. And of course, I found out as is my dad had two other wives and families in other states, uh, which he obviously traveled around while he was throughout the country. My dad at one point had a different Jaguar for every day of the week. And the police were like, can you make it any more obvious? And so what, 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 I, what I was getting at is like, in the midst of all this, that's who my father was, and, and all this chaos went on. But, but you mentioned about like, the tr like finding discovery and getting closure. Uh, there was a time when my mother, um, some private investigators came down from New Jersey, which is where my dad was born. Um, at one point, he assumed the name of a man named Charles. <sighs> I got to remember the name. the name. The first name was Charles, which is my dad's middle name. So he assumed the name Charles and it's my last name, Tedder. He assumed this name. We, that's not our, I have three birth certificates. So my dad in the midst of it was born Mandeville. We, he became Tedder uh, via using this guy's identity, which, which eventually we all had our names changed to. He ended up, come to find out these people hired a private investigator to come down. This was in about 99, 98, 99, these investigators came to our house, uh, sat down with my mom and me and questioned us about the family trying to find Charles Tedder, who was missing, and they never had any reason why or where, the son of Charles Tedder, who was missing, and there was, there was no closure. Well, at the same time, we tell them this, you know, my mom tells them openly about our, our story, and my mom is the only spouse of my dad's who he has left alive, if that tells you anything. Uh, he has one other wife that he just divorced who has been left alive. And the rest of all of the women he's ever been with have been found mysteriously dead or missing. Um, very, very crazy. My, my lifestyle should be a book. My life should be a book because it's just really insane. Um, and and I, I get into a little bit of this on the show, but I haven't released a lot of it. But, but I'm, I am with you because I feel like it's, it's interesting. It ties in with kind of where you're at with this. So they take my mom and they say, would you be willing to show us where uh, you believe your farm used to be? Because now our farm where it used to be a 10 acre farm is now a subdivision. So in order for the police or FBI to do any kind of excavation or digging, they, my mom would have to identify a tree or a, an object from the land that determined where the bodies in that lake were. Now my dad hand dug that lake. It was, we, we used to, as kids, we called it the Red Lake. He stocked it with gators because he threw not just the animals, carcasses, the pigs, the cows, 
from the farm, that's where the bodies went. And so as kids, me and my older brother, even to this day, we talk about the Red Lake. And we remember taking metal trash cans with, as, as a kid, five years old, and my brother, we would, we would grab the arms and play with the tendons. And, and like, we, that's what we remember. And, and so we would dump this stuff. And my, that was our chores, was to dump the animal stuff. But also when, when dad would bring some bodies home, we'd dump those too. And so that's what these people took my mom to go find because they believe this man, Charles Tedder and his son were killed by my dad in New Jersey and brought down to our property and dumped in that lake amongst many other bodies. Um, my mom personally witnessed uh, two killings uh, with my father and had to, uh, had to under threat help him dump them. Uh, they looked, they also looked for those bodies, never found them. Um, I personally, uh, one of my other earliest memories was my father uh, collecting from a man and blowing his brains out right in front of me with his 45. He always had a 45 with him. The guy owed him money um, and he literally shot the guy right in front of me. Um, and th there were so many instances like that where there's that family never got closure. You know, while I was able to work through counseling, my, my, my older brother never really did. Um, and my older sister, she never really did. She, she turned to alcohol and still is kind of a heavy alcoholic. My, my immediate blood sister, you know, she's, she's better. She's, she's been doing good and going through counseling. But, you know, like even my mom never really went through uh, a lot of counseling, some, but not a lot to process it. But the fact that the family never really got closure um, always bothered me. And, and it bothered my mom to the point where she invited them back every year. And up, up from 90, about 98, 99, every year, these people would show up with the detectives and with the local police department in, in Pasco County and Tampa, and they would drive over to Riverview, Florida, and they would search the, the neighborhood, hoping my mom would identify or recognize a tree or recognize, you can look at the plat and you can look at the plot of land, but she, you know, it's covered in concrete and houses. So they, they're just hoping that if they, if she could identify one tree, it would give them the right to dig up an entire 10 acre lot to find this lake where we know bodies were dumped. Um, and obviously in the midst of building the subdivision, nothing was ever found, which, you know, on a construction site, if they found something, they would stop it and they'd investigate. They never found anything, um, due to partially the gators, uh, eat and regurgitate everything. You hardly find anything, which was something my dad always bragged about. Um, you want to dispose of a body, drop it in the swamp. You know, it, it was kind of one of his things. Um, so, so just crazy little background, you know, um, and, and that was just like, that's, that's been my story. You know, that's, that's what I've lived through. But, but the fact that you're able to bring closure um, is cool. And, and to me, it's always been, um, and, and I've heard the stories, not just from my mother, but my dad had an accident where at one point he claimed he couldn't remember a lot. So he kind of, I think, used that. And I, I knew him really well. I was very close to him. And even as I got older, after they divorced, we were separated uh, from five to 15. I never saw him. When I moved back to Florida, I wanted to know if he had changed and I got started building a relationship again. But I, what I learned is he didn't really change. But then he had an accident and he swore he couldn't remember anymore. I don't remember any of the bad I did. I don't remember killing anybody. I don't, and, and so, but, th but then there'd be little times and moments where I would ask him a question and he'd say a detail that I knew if he was able to remember that, he could remember what he did. And I, I've asked him, I, I, you know, I asked him point blank many a times about how many people do you think you killed? And he was just like, you know, I don't remember, uh, you know, he would say that. And then in other conversations, when I'd ask him, he would, he would openly say, you know, uh, dozens and dozens. Um, yeah. Most of them I don't even remember because at some point it just became, it wasn't a face, it wasn't a name and it wasn't a person. And uh, just kind of really scary. But, but uh, you know, he, he ended up murdered in 08 uh, by a Black Widow murderer. Um, you know, a lot of people say karma. 
comes to get you. Um, you know, in his case, it really, you know, full circle. He, he was living right up to 08. He was still the, the, the Miami Dade knocked on my door in 08. And we had stopped talking, me and my father, and we had just started talking. We, had, we hadn't spoken many years. He tried to use my credit. Me and him quit speaking for many years. But I decided at one point to reach out. I found out he had cancer and I had one of my aunts tell me, you know, don't let him pass away with you guys not even having a conversation, or at least even though you feel he owes you an apology, give him an opportunity to, even if he doesn't. And so I opened that door and I made the call and we talked and he was like, I want to move close to you. I want to get to know you. I apologize. I want to make things right. And, and, and he was, he was dying. And so I get this knock at the door later on in 08 and the police, it's, it's literally Miami-Dade Sheriff Department uh, police officer comes to the door and drove all the way up from Miami personally to tell me that my father, who they had a complete record on from all of his criminal days, and they've watched him, they've waited for the opportunity to lock this man up due to all the murders that they couldn't prove on him. And so he knocks at the door and he'd ask me, you know, are you Dean Tedder, Dean Charles Tedder's son? And I said, yes, I am. And he says, um, your father listed you as next of kin uh, or to notify upon any, any emergencies or any, anything that would happen. Uh, we found him dead. He's been dead about a week. And I said, well, what's going on? And he says, well, let me, you might want to sit down for this. Your father up to this day is the largest heroin and cocaine trafficker that we have in Miami. I said, my dad is like almost 70 years old. You're kidding me. And he says, no, your father has never left the crime. He has never left the dealing. Your, your father may have had breaks and periods where he made it look like he was doing better, but your father has been watched and has been dealing drugs since we can remember. And it's, it's, it's historically wherever he moves. Uh, the community where he lives in has suffered from it. And we have been watching him and we're just about to raid him when we noticed all traffic and all everything went dead. And a week later, we finally sent someone over to look and they peeked in the window and saw him dead in the bedroom. Upon further in investigation, they find that it was the girl that was with him, shot him with a hot shot and killed him. They were investigating her at the same time for killing her, her previous husband. So it was just like this whole trail of craziness followed my father. Um, but it ended up taking his life. His criminal career and behavior ended up taking his life. But, but I, I get hit with all of this. And it's funny because, again, having this interview with you and then my mom at the same time, when I, when I called her and I told her, I said, you'll never guess what happened. And my mom... There was a time when my dad walked in my house to come pick me up when I got to know him again when I was like 15, 16. He walked in and he asked to use the bathroom in the home where me and my mom was, were staying. And my mom at that point had never spoke with him since. So when, we, when they divorced, it was because he tried to kill us. All his other wives had died. My, he had told my mom on the phone, the only reason you're alive is because you've kept my secrets. That's it. Otherwise, I'd kill you too. And so to this point, they had never spoken. He, he came and he, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm here to get you, but I need to use the bathroom real quick. And he came in and used the bathroom and my mom was in the kitchen and, he, and we left. We, I went with him for the weekend. When I came home the next weekend, uh, or when I came home on Sunday that weekend, my mom pulled me in the room and she said, I want to show you something and see if you remember it. And so she pulls out a knife, a boot knife. Uh, about that long that my dad always carried from even when I was a child, I remember this knife. And he took that knife when he went in to use the bathroom and stabbed it in her nightstand because he knew she was speaking to the detectives trying to find the bodies and trying to put two and two together. And so he put that there as a threat to her. 
So many years later, you know, my mom, uh, when she found out, when I called her in 08 and I said, look, I just, you'll never guess. She goes, your father's dead. And I said, how do you know that? And she says, I, I have never felt a better release or a better energetic, peaceful day in my life than I did today when I woke up, right? My first cup of coffee, she said, I've never felt better in my life. And I don't, I didn't know why until the phone rang. And I said, well, that's crazy. I said, I said, uh, well, he basically, and before I could spit it out, she goes, he got murdered, didn't he? Somebody killed him. And I said, that's what they're saying. Uh, it was, it was a, a black widow uh, murderer, supposedly his girlfriend, which she ended up killing herself as well before they could bring her to justice. And so my mom just like in that moment still was, was receptive to the fact of what was going on. And, and like, like I said, the energies, and it, it's just interesting, you know, I'm sorry to take up a little extra time to tell you all this, but, but that's where like my life kind of led. And then still, even still then in that moment, my mom was like, I knew, I knew he passed. I knew he was murdered. It was, it was all meant to be that way. That was what was going to happen to him no matter what, because of all the things he had done. And she's like, she's like, I feel better now, but she said, it's not over until these people get peace. And unfortunately, and, and unfortunately yeah. she's never been able to give that to them. Yeah. I think they'll get it at some point, even if it's not when they're alive in this lifetime. I yep. think when you cross over the other side, that's when I feel like you go through your life review and, and you get the answers that you didn't necessarily mm -hmm. have uh, yeah. when you were a human being on earth. Right. So uh, I think that they will get their peace at some point. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping. And, and you know, and, and it's crazy just, um, you know, like I said, what, what brought that all up is just you working with law enforcement and trying to bring closure. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, these days where I'm at in life is I try to help others. The past week, I've spent many episodes on the show encouraging. I've done a lot of lives on my personal as well as the show uh, pages and, and, and social media. And it's really about helping others. And so I appreciate you being on and, and, and you having the ability to help others um, and, and, and because there, at this day and age and everything we're going through, the pandemic and, and all this stuff, there's so much help that's needed that people don't, they're not going to verbalize. A lot of people just won't ask for help. And so maybe, maybe it's just why people like you who can pick up on uh, somebody in need without having it be verbalized. It, maybe that's why that energy is there. Maybe that's why there's generations of people like you in the world that do what you do and have that ability. Yeah, I think the more that we can create light and hope and joy, the better off we'll all be. I think one person and their choices affect a lot of other people and then it just continues to grow and spread. So why not try to do something positive while we're here? For sure. I mean, there's a reason for everything. I mean, there's a reason why you have the gifts you have. There's a reason why I, I was in Oregon and in Florida and ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's reasons why all of these things go on. Um, I, I still haven't figured out why I'm not closer to the beach, but one day. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been great talking with you. And I hope I want to get you on later. Like I said, I, I, I've um, and just discuss other things uh, about the gifts you have and the talents. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, and we could always look into energy that's coming ahead in the months and maybe the next year. If your listeners are interested in, sure. in any kind of energy predictions. Um, so yeah, we can certainly do that. I'm just going to assume 2021 is going to be better than 2020. <laughs>
Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk about that on the next That'll episode. That'll have to be the next episode. Yep. Um, give me, uh, for the audience, give me a, a place where they can reach you, maybe a website, businesses. Give us some, a little bit of promo on you uh, where, where our audience can reach out to you. Absolutely. So I own and operate Spirit and Spark, and it's a nationally based company. Uh, you can think of us as a psychic and spiritual matchmaker. And so for any client that needs something, whether it's a psychic or a life coach or energy work done, um, I actually match them with the practitioner that I feel aligns with their energy and their goals. And so spirit and spark all spelled out.com uh, is where people can go to take a look at our team and request a session. And we also have a free tip sheet on there on 10 ways to manifest your dreams. And so you might want to look at that because you're going to have that beach house. I got to, I got to have it. Uh, if, if I can ever retire and reach a point where I can actually talk myself into not working anymore. Uh, yeah, I plan on living right on the beach. I don't want to wear anything but swim trunks for the rest of my life at that point. So there you go. Believe it, it and it is yours. That's it. Very, I don't have to spend money on clothes, just swim trunks. That's it. Well, <laughs> it's been great having you here. And, um, again, I will have you in the near future on again. Uh, we'll get, we'll get deeper into this. Definitely do some of these, uh, these, readings for ahead future. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious by your expression, what 2021 is going to hold for us. Um, hopefully maybe we can get you back soon enough to get that figured out. Um, I appreciate you being on here and uh, we will definitely have you on again. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate your time. You have a great day. You too. Hey guys, Dean with the two party podcast. I just wanted to share uh, one of the platforms we use uh, for our podcast. Uh, it's called anchor. Uh, it is a free platform. They have creation tools that allow you to record, edit uh, your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Um, Anchor will distribute your podcast on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple, uh, most, most all the platforms that you want to reach, you can, you can reach through Anchor. So I encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, again, it's free and it's called Anchor. Have a great day.